Welcome to A Break in the Action, where we take a break from the business of our days to focus on outdoor pursuits and the traditional sporting lifestyle. Join us for discussion and interviews on vintage and modern break-action shotguns, sporting literature, outdoor leisure, and reviews of best-in-class gear, accessories, and destinations. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and let's take a break in the action. Now here's your host, shotgun collector, wing shooter, and sporting clays enthusiast, Ryan Dowdy. Quail hunting in the U.S. is filled with tradition, a symphony of sights, sounds, and sensations that has a special way of connecting today's hunters with those of the past. While the U.S. has at least five or six huntable species of quail, the northern bobwhite, California, gambles, mountain, and merns, the northern bobwhite seems to hold a special place in the hearts of hunters, bird enthusiasts, and nature lovers alike. The northern bobwhite quail, scientifically known as Colinus virginianus, is a charming and iconic game bird native to America's eastern and central regions. This distinctive quail species is a medium-sized bird measuring about 9 to 11 inches in length. Its plump and rounded body is covered in a mix of intricate patterns and muted colors. A mottled combination of brown, buff, and white feathers provide excellent camouflage in its natural habitats. Its throat is adorned with a white chin patch that stands out against the otherwise earth-toned bird. One of its most recognizable features is the bold, dark streak running from its eyes down its neck, which accentuates its distinctive profile. A defining characteristic of the northern bobwhite is the tiny black crown or crest on its head, which gives the bird a slightly regal appearance. This crown is especially visible when the bird is excited or alarms. The bird's call, a source of its common name, is a clear and unmistakable which echoes through the open fields and the woodland edges. This call is not only an auditory hallmark of the species, but also a cherished part of the rural soundscapes across its range. The northern bobwhite thrives in a diverse range of habitats, from grasslands and open fields to shrubby areas and the edges of woodlands. They are particularly associated with early successional habitats where there's a mix of grasses, forbs, and cover plants. Bobwhites are ground-dwelling birds that prefer to run rather than fly, using their strong legs to navigate through the underbrush. They live in coveys, small groups of birds that offer them safety in numbers. So how then does shotgun selection fit into the discussion on quail hunting? Wanting to copy the format of my Best Gun for Grouse episode, I've invited a few familiar names to join us on this panel discussion. Reed Bryant, Darrell Smith, and Charlie Jordan, you guys each have a significant presence and voice in the Upland community, and I know that you regularly pursue quail. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us what all you're involved in before we get this conversation started. Um, Reed, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, no doubt. Thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for having me on on the podcast, and it's yeah. a pleasure to be here and to be with some some great folks talking about guns. So, my name is Reed Bryant, and I am the I guess my title is Senior Manager of Wing Shooting Services at the Orvis Company. Uh, I've been at Orvis about ten years, and and I really am fortunate in my role. I get to work with 
destinations, wing shooting destinations really all across the largely the continental US, but but beyond as well a little bit. Um, I work closely with our gun sales department and with our three corporate owned shooting grounds of which um, there are three scattered up and down the East Coast. Uh, so I work closely with them. I host the Orvis Hunting and Shooting podcast. And then I also do a fair bit of freelance writing uh, kind of in the hunting and fishing space. So I'm, I'm just one of those guys that that landed in a very lucky spot and gets to um, talk to people like the folks on this podcast and really just nerd out on on guns and hunting and um yeah so it's uh that's that's kind of my story and uh, i'm based here in vermont talking to you from from southern vermont in my home office and uh yeah just delighted to be on the podcast okay great Darrell. yeah man well thank you thank you thank you ryan for being for having me on the podcast with everybody um i am in legendary company first of all um so pardon me if I do wig out and fanboy out on all of y'all a little bit throughout the podcast, but <laughs> I am the host and uh, founder of the Sporting Life Notebook and co-founder of Minority Outdoor Alliance, along with my wife. I am an outdoor writer um, and artist, um, a guide, hunting or up wing shooting guide, um, and a guy that talks a little bit too much about things that, you know, most folks would under would, would would ask why are you spending all that time out in the woods? But I am a quail man to the core, um, you know, and uh, glad to be on here with a member of the Little Ecuador Gun Dog Club uh, with my buddy. So you know, <laughs> well, well, I think that's a perfect handoff to you, Charlie. Well, it is great to be here, Ryan. Thank you so much for for, for inviting me to this fun discussion. Um, I have a little channel called In the Echo of the Shot, and I use it to decompress from work and have fun, but my full-time job is I have a consulting firm for the last 20 years, excited to be here and excited to share some opinions with these great guys. Wonderful. Well, thank you all three for joining. So to get an understanding of where each of you is coming from, I'd like for you to describe your typical shot at quail. Um, maybe discuss the the range that you see, the terrain that you're on. Are you over dogs, um, etc. Darrell, uh, what's typical for you? Yeah, so hunting northern bobwhites. Um, I'm down here in the, in in Georgia, um, in what I would think is the mecca and the heartland of, of bobwhite quail. Um, I hunt in the Red Hills region predominantly. Uh, both foot hunting and horseback hunting. I prefer horseback, but foot I do most often um, over Tennessee walkers. So the type of points that I come up on are, uh, you know, your classic, you know, pointer setter, brace, uh, usually a covey rise. We don't shoot singles. We pick a bird out of the covey. Um, I would say on a wild bird covey rise, your birds will get up about 30, probably about 20, 30 yards in front of you. Um, and I think that's an ideal shot, especially, um, you know, considering the terrain, considering the cover, um, you know, it's a lot of blackberry bushes, thorns. Um, so you really don't have a lot of time to do a whole lot of kicking around. I mean, those birds, they run a good bit, but once they're pinned, I mean, they're pretty much out of there. So I would say my average shot's probably 20, 30 yards, if that. Okay. Charlie Jordan, you want to tell us what you typically see? Um, well, for me personally, you know, one of the things that I do um, uh, once in a while, I'm lucky enough to get invited to uh, to South Georgia and hunt wild birds. And 
will go off into Kansas and shoot and chase a, a wild quail. But one of the things I do just out of the convenience is I chase holdover birds in the months of February and um, February and March, where the birds that have been out on these preserves have been holding on there for a long time. Some people say even two to three months, but the coveys begin to get pretty large towards uh, uh, February, the end of February. And believe it or not, I've seen coveys of up to 40 birds. Somehow they just all congregate using the pines, of course, as cover, uh, but you go deep, deep into the uh, into the briar patches. And like Darrell said, you know, that 20, 30-yard shot, I think we're all victims of every time a covey goes up, just making sure we choose the right bird as opposed to covey shooting them, you know? Right, right, absolutely. Reed, what's normal for you? Yeah, great. Um, so I've been fortunate uh, over the years and through work and whatnot to shoot um, – in a variety of different places. And I actually have found a particular, not to be, not to be sort of different than these guys, but I, I've actually spent a fair bit of time shooting desert quail. So definitely hunted Bob whites in the Southeast and South Texas and um, at a lot of preserves here, there and everywhere. But, uh, but desert quail are really, um, I, I guess I would say that they hold a special place for me just because I love the landscapes in which they're, they're found and uh and just the the yeah just the whole picture of chasing whether it's scale quail merns um gambles for sure california quail so i've spent a fair bit of time doing that and that's kind of a different deal in that those uh, aside from merns a lot of those desert quail are real running birds so so you're kind of hoofing it around and i think that that for me um provides some different considerations, not only for, for what gun you choose and what load you choose, but also just how you go about things. It's a lot of up and down. It's a lot of walking, you know, it's, it's um, just a lot of long days um, on your feet going up and down and here, there and everywhere over pretty, pretty rough terrain. So that's a consideration, but, um, but I would say most of the shots on those, uh, on those running desert quail, um, you don't necessarily have the, uh, how would I say you can't, it's harder to choreograph and orchestrate things in that. Like they just are moving, you know? So you're trying to get up on the cover or get up on the birds before they're going to flush. And so there's a lot of kind of racing around and chaos. Um, and I, that's what I love about it, but it's also what I appreciate about those birds that hold better, you know, be it Merns or be it, uh, be it Bob's that'll just kind of stick tight and you can really kind of get your, get your feet under, you know, what you're, know what you're, or to the best of anyone's ability, kind of know what's about to happen. Um, so, you know, a lot of those shots on, on birds, uh, on the desert birds, I would say, are again, similar, probably 20 to on the outside 40 yards, but, um, but kind of going in odd directions and odd terrain. So that's always a consideration just for safety and just efficacy or shooting. So that's kind of, kind of how I look at it. Yeah. I'd, I'd echo every point you just made read about Western birds and desert birds. I get to chase gambles and scaled quail in New Mexico, and that experience is very different than um, what I'm used to hunting bobwhites um, back in the east and the southeast. You're moving a lot more, and rarely do you ever get a chance to get set um, to actually take uh, to take the shot. How about preferred gauge and shot combinations? Uh, what's your go-to for quail hunting scenarios? Charlie, we're going to lead off with you on this one uh, because you've been very vocal about your preferred gauge, um, at least. <laughs> Anyone that follows you is going to know your answer, but go ahead and tell us anyway. So um, I do, for whatever it's been, 15, 16, 17 years, I've just, I've just hunted with a 410. 
And when you ask about the right, about the right ammo, right, guys, I promise you, I'm buying whatever is on sale right now because that's a reality. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where I actually saw a box of 410 birdshot for $41. Oh, now, my hopefully gosh. it's getting better, mm-hmm. right? Hopefully it's getting better. But at least I, I don't remember. Do, do any of you guys remember ammo having this type of, of reality that mm-hmm. we've been living? It's been it's just been I- incredible, right? So under normal markets, if you will, right, I think just the traditional seven and a half uh, uh, and a two and a half inch shells is, is what, what usually does it. And I think what's important to, to, to understand is that so many of us feel underpowered with a 410. I promise you there's enough power in a 410 to bring almost anything down except probably a goose. But I will say this. All of us are also conscious about shooting a 410 because we're thinking, well, there's only three pellets in there. And yeah, it's true. There's only three pellets, but everything stays the same, right? 12 gauge, 20 gauge, 28. Everything stays exactly the same. So for me, seven and a half shot, two and a half inch, uh, two and a half inch shell. I, I almost never use three inches, maybe on late season pheasants out West. Uh, but I think that that's more than enough for, for, for these little bob whites. Now, with scaled quail and, and, and love chasing blues out in Texas, right, uh, there are times that I've gone to three-inch just because I love to see them run the way they do, and the shots are going to be a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. Reed, mix it up. Um, I feel like we're going to get more of the same from Darrell here in a minute, so go ahead and mix it up for us. Right, right. Yeah, so i got to say, though, too, that both these guys that you're talking to who are 410 devotees are both excellent <laughs> wing shooters so like there is that too so they're they're um they're pretty deadly and they put in the time practicing and really i think um wield those 410s to great effect in part because they're very very skilled at what they do so um so remember that for sure i'm a little i'm probably a little less skilled and therefore need a little oh don't little do it Reed, we fun, have fun been at the range with you no 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 no, no. <laughs> so, so i uh you know honestly um i i don't uh, so let me frame the question again. So, so ask, ask that question again, just how you pose it for Charlie. Cause I don't want to go too deep in the, in the weeds. So just specifically what gauge I shoot. Sure. Sure. So what gauge, <laughs> what shot combination, um, what is all written on the side of the shot shells that you're right. pulling out of your, out of your pocket? Right. Right. So boy, this is, this is a slippery slope. So I, for quail, I generally will shoot a 20 just because, um, it's what I, it's what I have. I love shooting 16s, but I, I don't typically bring a 16 for quail just because in some places and depending who you're shooting with and where you're shooting, people kind of frown upon anything bigger bore, if you will, than a, than a 20 rather. So I shoot 20s. Um, mostly I would love to shoot a 28. I don't own a 28 currently, but, uh, but there may be one in my future. Um, but, uh, but 20 is what I've got. I don't know, it, I know. Man. I gotta. Don't tell my wife. Do you, I, you don't release this until I've had a conversation <laughs> with my wife. But, uh, um, but uh, so twenty. You know, the nice thing about twenty, and particularly traveling to hunt, is that it's twenty bore shells are generally pretty available, and that's just it, they're just easy to find, right? And they're pretty cheap, so that's um, that's helpful as well. But I would say that for bobs, I shoot uh, I shoot typically seven and a halfs. Um, occasionally for pen raised birds, I'll shoot eights just because I. you know tip let me let me sort of qualify this by saying that i i probably am unfairly biased that i that i think 
though I don't know if there's any science to prove this. I think generally wild birds are just tougher. And, and I think that in doing your due kind of due diligence that, that you should like, like I want to, I want to kill them, you know? And so I don't, right. I, you know, I, I'm, I, so I think about it in those terms, whereas, um, and I, I, I could get myself in a whole heap of trouble for saying this, but <laughs> so I will shoot eights at Penry's Penry's quail, but by and large, I'll shoot seven and a half at Bob's or, or Mern's. And then, um, I shoot sixes at, uh, at, at, uh, running, um, desert birds just because like Charlie said, some of those shots you're, you're kind of discombobulated and the shots are a little further. And, um, I, I, I like to knock them down. Those birds I've been so, impressed with their tenacity like you sometimes that's they so can true. take yeah. a lot of a lot of hitting and just they yeah. keep going so that's my that's my take but uh, so, someone like charlie said i i don't i'm not wildly um specific i guess about shows one thing i will say and then i'll shut up i sorry Darrell. i know you got to say you're this, fine but, um <laughs> but one thing i will say that i'm interested in learning more about and and definitely considering um increasingly just as every year that goes by is is non-toxic um shooting no tox in the uplands and and just thinking about what's available and and uh you know i think we're going to see more and more quality uh quality like offerings available but just thinking about that that collateral um impact on on crippled birds being eaten by birds of prey and so on and so forth and bioaccumulation of lead. Like it is something I'm thinking about more and more. And there's some great people doing some great research around that. So just want to throw that out there too. Um, Excellent point. Excellent point. Darrell. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm let's, let's not play games with Reed Bryant. Okay. Reed and Charlie wore me out, both of them at the clays range. So let me just start by saying that, and both of these gentlemen influenced me in too many different ways, um, so much so that I need to get out to Patagonia and and try to chase desert birds and stuff like that, and you know do all that because of Reed. So thank you. Dude, um, you have to do that. That's on your on your must. do That's list. on what my must do. Like I'm right, I'm good. literally going to do. I'm gonna. I read the story fifty million times. Uh, and then listen to you on the podcast about it. So now I'm just going to recreate the entire thing. Just there you go. Go Perfect. back through Done it. Deal. Okay. It. Now I just want to say one. Th- I just want to say one thing, Ryan. I didn't get an invitation for Patagonia Quill, <laughs> yeah. did you? Because no. we, 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 these two are talking. I didn't either. <laughs> oh, Charlie, you're down there all the time. So please. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We can pull our resources now for you. Right. So if if but I I will say. Um, with a 410, so I predominantly go back and forth between a 410 and a 28, um, for upland birds, specifically for Bob White quail down here. It is because of Charlie Jordan that I am a 410 devotee. Like literally the beginning of our friendship started with, Hey, why don't you shoot a 410? Well, I guess that's what I do now. So, um, I blame that on Charlie. Um, what I shoot, I like a seven and a half shot. Um, and as far as cost efficiency, which is, is a really big concern with shooting 410 shells, um, it's not cheap. So the best that I found recently is RST. Um, I like their shells. They don't tear at you. Not that a 410 would do that anyway. Um, you know, shooting about 1200 feet per second, um, as far as velocity. So they're good shells. I don't get cripples with RSTs. Um, I like how they, you know, I, I don't get a whole lot of residue either. 
um, in my gun. So uh, if if I was say for my four tens, I like it now. Uh, speaking of Charlie, Charlie actually, and those would be two and a half inch shells. But Charlie gave me some like a couple years ago um, some game bore shells these little itty bitty two two inch shells that i still can't find another box for um those two inch shells were tack drivers yes. and i really 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 like like if i if i had to keep another set of 410 shells in my vest if it was the last thing i was shooting i would go to those two inch game boards hmm. Darrell, do you do you flex between your four ten and your twenty eight uh, gauge, <laughs> or or are you predominantly yeah. now a four ten shooter? Um, if if you do, would would you say that it's pretty easy to, to kind of flex back and forth between that twenty eight and the four ten? It it seems like it would be an easier transition than mm-hmm. going from like a twenty down to a four ten. Yeah. So in the South, exclusively, um, especially if I'm doing like plantation stuff too, I only hunt with a four ten. Period. Um, that's, that's more of a cultural thing though. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you show up to a black tie ball in a tux. Like, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, it's kind of what you do. Um, but yes, I flex as far as the 28. So I like 28s for honestly, everything that's not Bob White Whale. So, um, like, although I'll be using my 410 out in the sand hills this, this upcoming week, um, I really enjoyed shooting sharp tail with my 28, um, you know, Georgia grouse. When I hunt them up in, up in, um, the blue Ridge mountains, I'm not going to shoot my 410. I'm going to go to 28 there. The cover's a little bit too thick and it's just, it's already an unreasonable hunt. There's no, no more reason to make it complicated. <laughs> and, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and, and bump myself up to my 28 there. Um, but Bob white quail exclusively 410. Well, I'll wrap up that question with the most boring answer of the day. Um, I'm, I'm reliably a 20 gauge, seven and a half um, shot uh, shooter for quail. Um, I won't give any details on my shotgun yet, but but my preferred gauge for quail is really at this point dictated by the pair of shotguns that I've kind of um, mentally labeled as my as my quail guns right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been quail hunting for the past few years with these two and then they just they just make me happy um yeah. and and they're they're both 20 uh 20 gauges but ryan i i think that's important what makes you happy right like right it, it it's no sense in being in the field with something that you don't th- thoroughly enjoy shooting like i don't I, and i don't think any of us shoot the shoot any of the guns that we have because of some you know for for some crazy mechanical reason i think at, at the at the core of any of the guns that we choose even the even with the complexity of maybe a 410 you shoot it because you love it right right and hopefully because you shoot it well too um i mean i've had well i've had guns that i'm just in love with but i couldn't hit the ground Mm. in front of me with them and that that's a pretty (laughs) sad that's a pretty sad state to find yourself in for sure so um okay uh moving on do you get caught up on weight, barrel length? Um, I'm sure that each of you has a preference when it comes to either side by side or over and under. Um, and maybe even if someone came to you and was wanting to just get started into quail hunting, mm-hmm. would you give them advice on um, what to look for in a shotgun? Uh, Reed, do you want to start us off on this one? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, And my preferences on this, I guess, have changed or evolved a little bit over time. But I would say, generally speaking, I love shooting side-by-sides. That's what I, given my druthers, like, that's what I would do exclusively. Um, I do have a few over-unders, and I I do see uh, an opportunity. Like, there are over-unders that I covet, and I think that would be beautiful quail guns. But just generally speaking, I'm a side-by-side guy. It's just kind of how I... Uh, I don't know what my tastes were originally. Um, in terms of things like barrel length, you know, so in in a perfect world, what I'm most comfortable shooting is a straight socked, um, long barrel, fairly light side by side for a quail. So that's when we're talking about. You know, one of the things that I find is that typically, or not typically, but it's it's more common you're going to see a scaled or an appropriate size scale frame on a or scaled action size for a for a side by side. So you know, if, if I can shoot in a 20 bore, um, if I'm shooting something that's not wildly, uh, let's put it this way, that's not much over six and a half pounds, preferably closer to, to six, um, that's, that's a pretty good kind of feel in hand for me. Like I said, I like straight grip. I like, I like double triggers, but I'm not like a like I'm not one of those people that will only shoot double triggers or sort of turns up his nose at a single trigger gun. Um, and uh, let's see what else barrel length. So my early guns, I'm a grouse hunter. I live in Vermont. So we hunt grouse and woodcock a lot. And I shot pretty short barrel guns early on just cause that was sort of the thing you did in the grouse woods was you, you just want a compact gun. I don't know that like an inch or two makes that big a difference, but it, it feels like it does. Um, but with quail shooting, the beauty of it is that you get typically, I find you get to see, certainly you can hunt in the woods down in South Georgia where Durrell is, but, um, but oftentimes you, you, you have a little more open shooting than you would say compared to the grouse and woodcock woods. So, um, that's where I think, uh, a longer barrel helps you avoid doing some of that sort of pokey snap shooting that we get used to up here. And there's nothing that feels better than like a nice smooth swinging, uh, well-balanced, um, double gun. So, you know, in a perfect world barrel length wise, I would say, um, 28 is a minimum for a quail gun, but I would, I've shot, I've shot 28 bores all the way up to like 32 inches. And that felt, um, it felt, pretty delicious like it was not a bad thing you know to to, it was a light gun so it made it work but uh but you know in a perfect world just to be weird i would probably say like a 28 bore with 29 inch barrels just or metric you know equivalent um and uh and straight grip um side lock side by side or side by side let's just say uh would be the the way to go um the one thing i will also say and I'm, i don't know if you want to hop on this now we can talk about it more later is chokes you want to talk about yeah. chokes now yeah, or yeah. you want to talk about no um, yeah that's perfect go ahead yeah so i'm again like i i i tend to gravitate towards more open i guess i would say um so the tightest constrictions I'm ever going to be looking at shooting for game pro, you know, within reason are like I see mod, but like a skeet one skeet two is a great, is a great, um, is a great combination for me. Or if I'm thinking about the shots I'm taking, even the cylinder, um, uh, cylinder improved cylinders is a, is a pretty good, good combo for me. But I would say skeet one skeet two is like kind of the, the, the happy medium ground, um, and that's probably what I what I would shoot. And I, you know, I shoot a lot of fixed choke guns, so that's kind of 
kind of where I try to try to land if I can. But um, but yeah, that's my that's my take. Um, and uh, and I, I'm 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 yeah. I, I I don't know that I like I change my mind all the time. I have so many different guns. I love so many different guns. It's hard to land on just one. But that's for the sake of of this hour on August 29th. That's that's my answer. So, Perfect, Darrell, you're up. Yeah, so I've got a, a couple of different answers, and much of what Reed said, I actually am in line with. So I'll tell you about my stock choices in a second. But as far as barrel length, like that's pretty consistent. My favorite is a 28 inch. I've had a 27 inch barrel, which I don't really think it made that much of a difference, but it was kind of cool to just to say I got a 27 inch barrel. Um, this is an odd number to have. <laughs> um, and as far as chokes, I go skeet improved cylinder bottom to top. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I like that combination. Um, worst case scenario, I'll throw a modified in there, but that's really kind of where I hang out at. Um, for me, I flip flop between side by side and over under. If I'm being honest, I shoot side by sides better. And again, tradition for me because I, I i get caught up in a lot of that nerdy traditional stuff um again you wear a tux to a tuxedo ball a lot of the times our guns are straight stocks so like my 28 was a side-by-side uh pair 486 parallelo with a straight stock um and that's great i tend to prefer shooting those guns if i'm hunting horseback um that weirdly enough feels better to me um and i say that because with a straighter stock um i swing it i I tend to swing better um it's a lot smoother i feel like i feel like i can move my hands where i need them to be um i don't know what it is about it and usually if i'm doing horseback hunting i'm not really busting brush and stuff like that usually there's a dog to do it for you so i have a lot more area to swing if that makes sense um i like over unders for when i'm foot hunting i really do um if i'm like public land busting brush that kind of deal um i like an over under with a pistol grip i feel like i have a lot more dexterity um i'm you know i'm 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 bow-legged and 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 stupid footed so i trip over myself all the time and i just like the dexterity of a pistol grip you know, and so like I said, I kind of bounce back and forth between the two. I feel like flushing birds again in a foot hunting setting, and this might just be my brain. I I don't know, um, but flushing birds in a foot hunting setting when the cover's kind of thick, I just feel like I I have a little bit better of a shot with an over under in that situation, and I I I could not tell you why I feel that way about both scenarios. <laughs> Charlie, what do you say? So I think this is such a key question because, you know, all of us are always trying to get new hunters and people more into our sporting traditions and in, into our community. And I kind of, there's this weird thought I have that the reason I like shooting what I like shooting is because I first shot that and mm-hmm. I didn't have five or six guns to choose from. Right. And so I think as new blood comes into the, uh, into the sport, right? I don't know if it's the, it might be, but I don't know if it's the right thing to say, oh, you need a 28 inch, uh, you know, barrel and you need a pistol grip and you need a schnabel foreign, all these things, as opposed to telling them, 
go out and shoot five or six guns, tell me which one felt the best, and then find out what the characteristics of that gun that you shot felt best, right? Mm -hmm. What are those characteristics? So as opposed to sending somebody to say, look for these things, go shoot what you love, what feels good in your hand, and uh, and then just all of a sudden identify the characters it has. And the characteristics that it, to me it has, it's always been an over and under for whatever reason. It's always been an over and under. It's never been a side-by-side. -side. Love the romance of side-by-sides, right? But I just do not shoot side-by-side. -side. It's always been a pistol grip, right? The little swelling in the palm for some reason feels delicious, you know, and uh, um, don't know if that makes any difference, right? The one thing that I do like because I learned to shoot that way is weight. And as Reed likes his six, six and a half pound guns, I don't mind an eight pound gun at all. I love the smoothness, the stability you get with those 30 inch barrels that I happen to have on my gun to actually keep that swing, you know, going, right? There's, there's something about that that for whatever reason it feels good to me. But I do believe that that might change the older we get, you know, when I'm 75, right, or, or when I'm 60 or when I'm 55, whatever it is, will I be carrying a lighter gun because I can't carry that eight pound gun anymore, right? For whatever reason, weight for me is, is a big, big influence, right? And then when it comes with the chokes, all I've known my whole life is full and modified, full and modified, full and modified. I lost mm. my full choke years and years ago, so I shoot improved, modified, and modified on top, improved, modified, and modified. Which, by the way, I wish I had the discipline that some bird hunters have, because I never do this, guys, but we were just talking about shells and all those things. So many people might put, you know, on their bottom barrel, they might put eight and a half shot. And in their top barrel, they might put seven and a half, right? I have never been able to do that because I just simply forget that's the last thing I'm thinking about when I'm going in the field. Um, but that could also help in terms of maximizing your your chokes that you would be using, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, just whatever feels good. And, and, and I agree with Reed, right? It's almost inexplicable sometimes why it feels so good. When I show up to the quail plantations with an eight-pound gun, people are looking at me really, really weird. But that's exactly what just feels good, you know? Yep, yep. I love the thought of shooting a side-by-side -side for quail. Uh, but unfortunately, I just don't do it because I don't shoot a side-by-side -side that well. I, I know that this stems from the fact that the first shotgun that I shot with regularly was like, um, like an 1187 single sight plane. Then I kind of graduated up to an over-and-under single sight plane. Um, so that's just what I'm the most comfortable with. Um, I'd love to shoot a side-by-side -side more. Uh, I'm just not as reliable a shot with one. Um, with regards to weight, I don't usually get hung up on weight. I feel like as long as I can comfortably carry the gun for the day, it doesn't matter to me if it's sub six pounds or six pounds or six and a half pounds. Um, I just don't get caught up on uh, the ounces, I guess. I do think that it needs to be balanced properly. Um, Although I'd say I, that I would have a hard time describing exactly what that means because it seems to me like that can change from gun to gun. Yep. Um, barrel length, I do always tend to go with longer barrels. Um, I agree with Reed that the longer barrels uh, work better for me for quail. You know, a, a 20 gauge or a 28 gauge with with 30 inch barrels just seems to, to feel and, and swing and shoot um, right for me. With regard to choke tubes... Um, 
I feel like almost every shotgun that you buy these days, unless it's really old or really expensive, is going to come with a set of choke tubes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the only time that I ever switch out chokes is when I'm shooting quail. If, if I'm after Bob White's in southern Kansas, uh, I'm going with more open chokes, probably improved cylinder and modified or light modified if I have it. Um, if we're all the way down near Deming, New Mexico, hunting gambles or scaled quail, I go a few steps in the direction of a fuller choke, like uh, like modified and, and iMod. Um, I don't know exactly if the distance is really longer on the shots that I'm taking, but it just feels like the wide open sky out there of the West make it makes it feel longer. Um, honestly, that that's the only time that I ever mess with chokes, though. I don't change yep. them to duck hunt. I don't change them Same to here. grouse hunt. Um, yeah. I don't even yeah. change them when I shoot sporting clays. I think that that everyone just assumes that they need a gun mm-hmm. with a full set of chokes, but I, I don't know how often people really really change them out and mess with them. Yeah, I don't change mine, dude. I I personally don't. The only time I've ever realistically done that is if was when the wing shooting season ended and I went turkey hunting with an over under. You see what I'm saying? Like. All right. That is the only time. Yeah. Yeah. Darrell, there's an easy fix for that. You just need to get yourself a dedicated turkey gun. Well, now I do. (laughs) (laughs) Now I do. And it's not an over under. So, (laughs) all right. So now let's move on to the, to the million dollar question. Uh Oh, Um, tell us about the details of your particular go-to quail gun and and i'm also going to open this one up to um you can tell about the details of your dream shotgun for quail if 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 you have one um so charlie uh you want to start us off this time so obviously the gun i've had for the last 17 years is the only gun that i take out there right and it's a 30 inch 30 inch uh over and under pistol grip with a schnabel forend and it's just felt great, right? But the gun, the gun that one day I would love, I'm gonna need 20 minutes on this answer, but I'm gonna narrow it down to 15 seconds, right? I would love, I would love a 7.10 pound, uh, 7.7 pound. <laughs> I'm just getting excited thinking about it, right? I would love a 7.10 pound gun, right? Boston Company. I'd love okay. a single trigger, single trigger over and under in 410 with 30 inch barrels, fixed chokes, full and modified on one side plate. If, if this was a quail gun, just in gold inlay and exploding cubby going through the pines where you can actually see more of the pine trees than the birds just escaping through the pines. On the other side plate, what I would love to have would be maybe two dishes of quail just being served, plated perfectly with two bottles of wine, maybe one on its side and maybe one standing <laughs> up just to add to the culinary beauty of these game birds, right? Underneath my four bird dogs that are no longer with me, both all of them golden gray. And then at the end of the day, me having this extraordinary gun and missing another bird from an extraordinary company. <laughs> you know, that's what I would love. Just Boston Company. Oh, my God. I wish, but I'm going to need to pick up a whole bunch more clients for that. So. Oh, holy, cow. Yeah. Oh, holy cow. So you, you, you clearly haven't put any thought into that shotgun. Wow. I, I love how every square centimeter in your right. mind is already mapped out on that. Right. I, I love that. Yeah. Reed, how about you? Um, 
Well, can you tell us about your quail shotgun or your dream uh, shotgun? Yeah, thank you. Um, Charlie, that's a tough act to follow, man. That's right. Uh, but, uh, the it's just a dream. I, it's just a dream. True, true. I'm a, guy, a guy can dream, right? Um, uh, so the gun that I shoot at quail more than any other probably is a 20 bore side lock that I, um, that I got a few years ago that has just some real sentimental value. The, um, <coughs> excuse me. The, uh, uh, it was a gun that I, <coughs> I actually bought from, um, the writer Thomas McGuane, who's a kind of a literary hero of mine. So it, it's just got, oh, wow. it's, it's just got a, a cool. lot of Holy juice in it yeah, for sure. Um, so that's really what? special, but, uh, um, <laughs> it's a Belgian as, it doesn't really matter. It's a continental uh, side lock, but 28-ish inch barrels, um, just really petite in the and and just um, I don't know. It's just really elegant in the hand. You know, one of the things that I love. I have pretty. I'm not a very big guy, and I have pretty small hands. And like, I love when the wrist on a on a side by side is really thin, and it just feels like very petite mm-hmm. i don't know there's something about that that uh that i yeah. really appreciate so so that's the gun that i shoot more than any other and it's it's um it's a little dinged up but you know i just love one of the things that i that i find and these guys were talking about it each of them in in sort of different contexts earlier is that there's this such a bigger picture i mean i i love in a sense when people think about a gun solely as a tool like there's something really refreshing about that but for me like it's just part of this whole experience and identity that we get to create around ourselves as wing shooters so how the gun as a functional piece of artwork like fits into that is really important to me so having that story that i get to consider while i'm holding that gun or hunting with that gun like goes a long way for me just in sort of that that mindset that i get into um so that's that's definitely big and i don't you know it's it's funny like i I have, I wrote some notes down about like what would be my dream gun. Cause I knew this would kind of come up, but, uh, I don't, I, I, there are guns that I would love to have, but I also feel really lucky and fortunate to have like a gun like that. Like that gun means a ton to me, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm not really yeah. aspiring to more that being said. Um, I, you know, if I could wave my magic wand at the gun, you guys are all going to laugh because it's such like a departure from everything that I've basically been saying to date. But uh, um, <laughs> the gun that I really would love to have, and I don't know if any of y'all have ever shot one, um, and it would be probably frowned upon in a lot of quail, kind of quail uh, circles. But um, if you've ever shot a two-inch 12-bore, like, hmm. like, delightful. So, you know, you can... Really? Oh, unbelievable. Super soft, you know, sub six pound, 12 bore shooting a one and I used to make a one and three quarter inch shell. So it's, it's kind of like you're reducing, it's not wildly dissimilar to shooting a, a, I forget what the equivalence would be, but a very small bore gun, but it's just in a bigger, a bigger bore size, you know? So it's like the, the way it all kind of breaks down. Um, There's a couple British makers that have made them over the years. No one, you know, no one who was kind of like particularly known for them. But when you pick one up, there's something about them that's just you're like, oh, this is different and cool. So that that's kind of on the list. Um, but the, I'll do just one other thing that I would say is like if if in in as Charlie said, like if someone could kind of just create the most perfect glow gun for me, it would probably be it would probably be like a like a long barrel, twenty nine inch or thirty inch barrel. Uh, 
Wesley Richards drop lock or a um, oh, or a Mackay Brown from like okay. the or an early oh. Mackay Brown round body side by side. So that's that'd be hard to beat. So that's that's where I would that's where I would spend all of my money if I could. If I could <laughs> oh get away with it. man, <laughs> Darrell. I don't even need to go. Hell, Reed bought Tom McGuane's gun. I don't really. <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty good one. Pretty and, incredible. And that's, that's incredible. incredible. And, and then Charlie here with a whole narrated. So what? I don't start. Okay. <laughs> but um, so Dream Gun, I will say, um, I will go ahead and give you the the the. I'm already living the dream now, or I will be, and I'll tell you why. Um, because I got my dream gun. Um, I got the second dream gun, actually. Um, there were two that I wanted, and both of which I have now. Um, but my primary quail gun from this point forward, and I'm excited about it, is um, this Beretta uh, 487 uh, E double L uh, Diamond Pigeon in 410 nice. um, that nice. I have. So that was, I mean, talk about like a 410 that I've just really, really had my eyes on. Um, from the day I saw it, it was a long time ago. Um, but it's uh, 28 inch barrels, uh, you know, classic, classic, classic uh, uh, over under pistol grip, um, class three wood. I mean, just really pretty. The game scenes and engraving on it are, are fantastic. Um, so for me, where that dream really takes off is. Um, this little Ecuador dog that I got, this 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 Continental Pointer that I have named Ikaro, um, I want to take a bird from South Georgia with that 410 over that very, very, very old school type pointer with straight tail, um, you know, continental style of, of pursuit and, you know, in my native home turf. You know, for me, that would be the 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 end of the road. I mean, I've kind of I've I've everybody knows this. I've definitely got my line of American dogs and got some really nice ones. But I mean, when we talk about like things coming full circle, um, I'm just really in allure with these continental pointers, and 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 that's due to Charlie again, and. Crossing over, crossing over. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm there, man. And then and and I'll take that dream one step further, and I'll say I'll take a woodcock with it, and I will send y'all the photo when I do it. Once I do that, okay, um, you know, and get a good retrieve to hand, I will be in the game. So mine, I got my dream gun. Now I need to go and and, and set the right scenario and paint the right picture. Awesome. Well, as I alluded to earlier, I've got a pair. Um, well, they're actually not a true pair, uh, but I've got two Connecticut shotgun model A10 20 gauge over and unders that I've really been enjoying shooting for the past few years. Okay, um, Reed, you okay. mentioned earlier that a slender wrist is something that you really like. And, and these two shotguns being true side lock over and unders, they have a really, really slender um, wrist. And I, and I, I really like that. Um, I, I guess the kind of the architecture of a side lock action just lets the headwork of the stock be a lot shallower and, and narrower, I guess, than, than a typical box lock. So it just really stands out and they just, they carry great. And, and I, I just am really enjoying those right now. Um, I also think that kind of the next best thing to that classic image of a side by side 
in the field is a side lock over and under. I just love that, love that profile. Regarding a dream shotgun, um, I'm sure that you've all seen where automakers will let you design your entire new car online. You can pick all the features and just kind of really make it your own. Well, the um, the diabolical minds at Purdy of London have recently rolled out their online shotgun configurator. Yep. And I have to admit, I've got at least like five or six designs worked up for my dream gun. These guys, uh, they should know better than to put some kind of a tool like that out on the internet. <laughs> um, always an over and under, uh, a side lock, of course. Um, and these, these things are just beautiful. Sadly, uh, the price, um, that you, that you get once you've kind of created your masterpiece, uh, puts it in the, um, 100% unobtainable, uh, realm for me, but it's always fun to, uh, to dream. So, cool. oh, I'm, yeah. I'm here now. I'm looking at it right now. This is right. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and honestly, I mean, the price is obviously a barrier, but the four to six year uh, lead time is is also a killer. So, right. That's funny. Okay, so I, I definitely think that we've done well to round out the shotgun discussion on this episode. So, um, to wrap up, let me ask each of you about one favorite item or piece of gear that you always make sure to have with you um, when you hunt quail. Um, I've sort of lost track on who is up first. Uh, Reed, would you like to lead us off on this one? Oh, man. I, can I actually pass? I got to think. Go with someone else first. <laughs> sure. Sure. Darrell, lead us off. Okay. Um, mine. Actually, I have a, 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 a thing about writing stories on my hats. So mine is simple. I try to take a hat that I like or, or a blank one that does not have a story on it already um, for any new quail hunt, any new, you know, public or private land hunt, um, I take either a white marker or a black permanent, you know, fabric marker and um, a hat that I really think is kind of cool um, or means something. And my hope is that by the end of the day, I'll have a story to write down or some new detail to write down on the under brim of my hats. And my goal is. My grandfather actually collects hats. He has a whole room full of them. He traveled the world, and, and, and that's what he did. And so I wanted to take it a step further so when my kids get older, they could read about all of my different hunts and stuff like that. So mine's just simple. Hmm. Oh, I love that. Well, if, if we were giving out a prize, <laughs> I, you already win. Uh, best best answer. So well done. Charlie? Jesus, I was thinking about Band-Aids for my blisters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going deep and romantic. I love that. Bro. Oh, please, not 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 the Charlie Jordan. Not going deep and romantic. No, my goodness, I think it's wonderful. But I, the, the one piece of things, first of all, there was only one piece of gear I would take out. There's gloves for my whole life. I just cannot shoot anything with, with, without any gloves on. But I don't know. Um, Going out for quail, it's, it's almost the same thing for any game bird, right? Um, I do think at the end of the day, just trying to leave all, no matter how much I enjoy my job, right? Just trying to leave everything behind in the mind, right? I want to go into the woods with a clear mind, uh, with the insanity that, that we call life and how beautiful life can be. It could also be so challenging. So usually when I try to go in there with any game bird, 
let's just clear the mind for the next five or six hours, you know, and and, and, and that's not easy to do, but, but, uh, but, you know, you're always thinking about this and this, but that's one thing I'd like to carry into the field every time, just a, a blank mind, uh, unwind, mm. you know? Mm. Well, great stuff, guys. Seriously, since since Darrell set the bar with his answer, and then Charlie raised it with his answer, I'll just walk right under it with a with a simple um, gear um, item answer. Um, and they're actually the same things that I listed on my best grouse gun episode. So so apologies. Um, a couple years back, I went on a long quest to find the right gloves for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I settled on uh, Geyer Roper gloves. I, I just like them. They're tough. They fit well. Um, well, they fit like a glove, I guess. Um, and I also really like this little brass Logan Supreme whistle that I carry on my lanyard. Um, it's a it's a shepherd's whistle or a sheepdog herding whistle. Um, they're really common in the in the UK, yep. um, much more so than they are here in the United States. It sort of resembles a turkey diaphragm call. Um, and I guess the big advantage of these is the is the nuance and tones that you can put out there for your dog. Yeah. Uh, I suppose eventually that means that I can train uh, my dogs to recognize different tones, but I'm really still just trying to get decent with this thing. But I do enjoy having it with me. Um, so, Reed, did that give you enough time to uh, to think of an answer? Yeah, I boy, you guys had such such good answers. Um, so I'm just trying to think about like what I what I must have or what I bring with me. And what's really hard, honestly, as I was thinking about the answer to this question, is that depending on the setting, it's depending on the setting, it's sort of where my head's at. Like it's slightly different things. And I think it's something that I that I love and struggle with about about hunting is and like Darrell Charlie can speak to this too. Is it like when I go if I'm hunting? Bob White's in the in the southeast. I kind of want to look a certain way and have a certain mm-hmm. you know suit suit of clothing on, etc. And if I'm out west in in New Mexico or Arizona, I want to kind of look slightly different because it feels a little more. I don't know. It's just a different experience. So it's hard to single out one one piece. I mean, I guess I too love a pair of really good fitting leather gloves and actually Orvis mm-hmm. I'm going to shameless plug here but like our Uplander gloves <laughs> we made for years like I love yep. those and they fit well they're thin they, they last like and um and they kind of get that they really are you know it's crazy and they yep. kind of yep. like get this patina right like they get mm-hmm. kind of bloody and dirty and yep. scratched up but they but they last and like there's something about that whole that whole thing that's really really cool the other thing that's along those same lines for me and I I I'm kind of a sucker for a pair of boots, but like, like if I'm out in, in, again, if I'm out West, like I'm going to wear a pair of boots that's not going to feel right aesthetically to me in the Southeast. So one of the things that I love and, um, Orvis used to, to own a company called Goki and they made, they made leather boots and, um, and they were kind of traditional mock toe leather boots, similar to like a Russell moccasin or something like that. And when you see someone that's wearing those like traditional, mock toe boots that's like really broken in and like just looks like they've had them forever and ever it just looks so cool to me and i don't have a pair that's broken in like i've never really found a pair that fit well and um so but i i kind of wish i had that because i just think particularly in the southeast like when you're wearing those those leather boots and leather i don't know there's just something that just feels so right about that it just feels like the perfect kind of compliment to the environment so um i guess that's what i'd say uh yeah, that's 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 where I'd go with that answer. All right. 
Well, gentlemen, I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you each taking some time out to chat with uh, me about shotguns. Um, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll call it uh, we'll call it done from there. Thank you. Well, thank you, awesome. my this friend. Was fun. Thank it was you great. So, so much. This conversation could have easily stretched from one hour to two. Each of these guys has a deep appreciation for quail and, of course, a fondness for the shotguns that they choose to carry. I'd also like to say that you would be hard-pressed to find three who are as driven to open the doors to this great pastime to anyone with an interest in trying it. Unfortunately for some, barriers sometimes exist, and each of these three gentlemen is using their voice, talents, and influence to tear them down. Until next time, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you're inclined. Follow our Instagram and Facebook pages for more great shotgun content. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Break in the Action. Want to hear your voice on a future episode? Leave a message, ask a question, or suggest a topic on our listener line at 317-662-4520. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit us at abreakintheaction.com.